This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H. OR.FM to get started. Hi, you're listening to Two Weaves in a Trench Coat. I'm Suzanne. I'm Madison. Welcome to episode zero. We don't have an intro. (laughs) We do not. Uh, So we just wanted to introduce ourselves and explain why we're doing an anime podcast when there are already anime podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to start? No, you go first. This is is your baby. I'm just here. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to start this because I have been watching anime since I was 12, and... I am way too into it, so I know too much. So when I went looking for anime podcasts, it was like either people who were like kind of into it, but didn't watch, didn't like follow seasonal charts like I do, or they watch stuff that I don't watch. I'm into finding stuff that's new, Mm -hmm. but just like didn't quite fit for me. So I was like... I guess I'll just have to wait for someone to make a better podcast, and then... Wait a minute. (laughs) Mostly as a joke, I was like, hey, what if I made my own anime podcast? And people were like, oh no, that's a good idea. I was like, wait, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well? And here I am, um, because out of all the things I know too much about, it's anime and Twilight and my chemical romance. So... Oof. Yeah, I mean consider bonus Patreon My Chemical Romance episode (laughs) in the future. (laughs) So yeah, why do you want to do this, Madison? Um, well, you hit me up after coming up with the idea for the show, and I was like, hell yeah. Um, We've known each other forever, despite having big swaths of, not talking because internet friends, but like, we have, we have, we have good chemistry. Like, we do. It is why the friendship has endured for so long. Um, <laughs> but I'm personally excited about being part of a anime podcast that is run specifically by two people of color, two people of color who are part of the LGP, LGBTQ plus 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 community. Because that is, I've seen podcasts and shows from POC and podcasts and shows for people who are in the LGBT community, but I haven't really seen sort of just a singular podcast from both sides of that. Um, And especially Mm -hmm. about, because we do have, we still do have a very American perspective on it, and I'm excited to 
ex explore that and um you know american american anime culture in general yeah and that was another thing too is that i think obviously i can't do my dream podcast would be like i am fluent in japanese and japanese culture or whatever oh man which like i feel like it's a very weeb thing to say it is very but also <laughs> yeah i just want to be respectful another thing is that there are a lot of white guys who are into anime and it's kind of i've met before i alienate the entire two people who are listening to this <laughs> i feel like there are a lot of white men who are into anime and i can i've only been able to have conversations with two of them so yeah i i literally try not to talk about anime or other nerd adjacent things with with white dudes <laughs> half the time because uh it usually turns into a game of one-upmanship where they try to out nerd you on a thing and it's like okay bud like yeah, we're just we're all watching cartoons like chill out we're watching um, cartoons. and i hate when people <laughs> I hate when people call it cartoons, but still. We're watching cartoons, and Miyazaki thinks we're all the worst. So, you know, <laughs> we're all equal in that regard. <laughs> I, just, I just hate turning nerd culture into a whole competition. It's the worst, and I don't know if it is a specifically American phenomenon in that regard. Um, just the one-upmanship of just not only the culture surrounding anime in America, but, like, nerd geek culture as a whole. Literally, my friend was in the check-in line to go to a doctor's appointment yesterday wearing a Star Wars shirt, and some dude stopped her in the middle of getting her, like, temperature checked to go into the doctor's office no. to quiz her on Star Wars. No! <laughs> Not of all the inappropriate times. And she's like, dude... I have been into this series longer than you have been alive, first off. Second off, when she started answering questions, he backpedaled hard and was like, oh, I don't care about any of the old stuff. I'm only into, like, the Mandalorian. And she was like, get his ass. <laughs> get this big geek boy's ass. Get his ass. Um, and then, to, to further drive that point home, when she left, he was still outside talking to the poor check-in lady who must have the patience of a saint because she has to deal with the public. <laughs> a nightmare. It truly is a nightmare. It, I mean, when we get later to talking specifically about con culture and stuff in America, like, that was not an insignificant part about why I sort of stopped going to conventions. <laughs> I go to one con, and it's Amy Boston, and it's probably not happening this year. It better not happen this year because yeah. I do not trust anybody to wash their hands enough, first of all. So oh, it, no. it shouldn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only con I go to. And I meet up people that I know. And I actually don't go to that many panels. I remember one panel I went to and it was specifically about watching anime that you're not outside of your comfort zone, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I show up and it's some white boy with the soup haircut. And he looks like he, he has one of those, I don't know how to describe it. One of those passenger bags. And he looks like he... Mm. Um, watches indie movies in his spare time um, uh, uh. but it's funny because his panel is really interesting and then i found him afterwards and was like hey do you have any anime you can recommend me and it wasn't basic shit either it was like stuff i'd either never heard of or dismissed because i didn't think i'd be into it 
So okay. that is one of the two white men I've ever spoken to who okay. are tolerable when it comes to okay. anime. So, okay. Okay. See, I can't, I, can't, I can't be racist. I have one white friend. <laughs> <laughs> we have one white friend. It's fine. Yeah, no, I think the last time I went to an anime convention in in LA was literally Anime Expo at least four years ago at this point, and I was my friend's chaperone because she was wearing an insane uh, insane armor build from one of the more recent Final Fantasy games um, mm. and like could not do anything, could not see anything needed someone to hold her stuff and walk her around and make sure people didn't creep on her during photo shoots and I'm walking in from parking I'm not even in the convention center and I'm walking to it and there are five nearly completely naked anime girls on body pillows and while I'm walking in I just text her and I'm like anime was a mistake you're not wrong there and sent the picture of um, Ben Affleck with with the cigarette because that's just how I felt luckily like other than that it was a decently good experience like ghosting one of the biggest conventions in SoCal <laughs> no one really bothered her I got to hang out it was it was fine but like just walking in I was like yeah this explains a lot kids sh- kids should not come to anime conventions nope for more you can listen to our future episode about uh, con culture yeah we clearly have a lot to say about it so before we get widely off topic, we can talk about how we got into anime. And since I started first last time, you can start first. Okay. I think before we do that, though, we should, besides just giving the people our names, we should provide more context to what to refer to <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, okay. My, my qualifications for doing this. So my pronouns are they, them, theirs. I identify as bisexual and non-binary. And... My, I guess, racial background is kind of weird because I am from Kenya and then I spent a big chunk of time in England, Ireland, and then I moved to the U.S. Mm -hmm. when I was 15. So I have that kind of of outsider perspective, but also I finished out high school here. So, and I have this accent now. I'm so sorry. So, (laughs) (laughs) fortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. The reason why I have this accent, it's entirely on purpose, is because my first day of high school, uh, people noticed I had an Irish accent. And Mm -hmm. my French teacher made me read the syllabus so everyone could hear my accent. And (laughs) in my English class, we read, I think we were reading Oedipus. And mm-hmm. the teacher assigned parts or whatever. So I started reading. And the whole room goes real quiet. And I'm like, oh no. Because I sound oh. Irish. But I am a, My worst nightmare. I'm a little black child from who knows <laughs> where at this point to these people. God. So the room's going quiet. And I'm sweating as I'm trying to get through my parts. But uh, then... Everyone's kind of looking at me, and I'm like, oh, God. So I think the next day or so, either I bring it up or the teacher does, but everyone eventually figures out, like, oh, they weren't putting on an accent. That's just their voice. <laughs> so, so then I was like, Jesus. do not want 
every time I speak for everyone, the entire room to turn around because that was what was happening. So I was like, I will. I've done this before. I've adapted my accent before. And now here we are. Yeah, my I'm technically first generation born here. Um, my mom's side of the family is the immediate family that came over here. Very small. My grandma, my grandpa, my uncle, and my great aunt, and my mom. That's it. They're all from England originally, and Scotland, and none of them except for my mom and my uncle have lost their accents, because they had the same deal in school, in high school, and middle school for them. They got bullied, and just they were just like, it's easier to drop it. My grandma, my aunt, still sound very british and get asked where where are you from all the time literally when i go out to eat with them and my biological grandfather still has a very heavy um his accent is the same from where uh ewan mcgregor is from so he has that same sort of very lilting but easy to understand scottish accent where the rest (laughs) of my biological family is actually from uh edinburgh (laughs) they are from edinburgh so they are nigh incomprehensible <laughs> the past several times I've ever met them. It's incredible. But as for my presentation and qualifications <laughs> are I am genderqueer with no pronoun preference. He, him, they, theirs, she, her all work for me. You can use, you can rotate them. You can just stick to one. I don't care. I will usually use more masculine language when referring to myself. Like, I will say ya boy a lot. Um, but that is just my own personal preference for the language I use to describe myself. I don't have any true pronoun preference. Uh, and as for where I'm from, born and raised in California, as you can probably tell if you are listening to this from anywhere else in the United States, I probably sound very Californian. <laughs> very Californian. But I am mixed heritage, both Scottish and Mexican descent, specifically, with a significant amount of indigenous South American, and uh, we we think indigenous uh, North American, too. But yeah, I'm a little mongrel. <laughs> it's great growing up in California and in SoCal and not being able to speak Spanish because mm. your grandpa married a white woman in the 70s. Kind of a whole conversation about being I guess perceived as one thing and then not being able to speak the language that everyone expects you to speak and yeah. feeling like oh I guess I'm not this but everyone else says I'm th- yeah it's this is an anime podcast this is an anime podcast but I guess <laughs> this is important to, to talk about where we're coming from in terms of of what shaped us and our experiences with anime. I didn't claim I was Mexican, Latinx, Latin until I was in high school because I just felt like, oh no, I'm white. I don't know how to speak the language. I don't know much of the culture. I don't, oh fuck, I don't know anything. But now I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm very much mixed. Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. So now that that's out of the way, the first anime I have any memory of ever seeing was Sailor Moon when I was in preschool, the original DIC dub. Fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight. 
had several episodes on VHS, and I'm pretty sure I burned at least one of them out watching it so much. I have, like, I don't remember how I found Sailor Moon or started watching it, but my two strongest memories from that time period are painting my nails sparkly glitter almost every day for preschool because a whole bunch of us would play fucking moon prism power makeup (laughs) during break that was the big thing and the other one is sort of later on but coming home from like kindergarten elementary school and like catching sailor moon on at two o'clock from when it was on (laughs) tanami which really dates me i'm sure if you're listening and you know that shit, you can probably guess my fucking age. <laughs> Sailor Moon was the only real anime I got into during that time period. I would catch snippets of Dragon Ball Z on Toonami and stuff, and I never I never really got into it. In fact, oh god, I don't know his I don't know the character's name, but the one that can like suck life essence out of other characters, I caught an episode with him after school and it scared the shit out of me so bad when a nameless random background character became a shriveled husk. I was scared of Dragon Ball Z for I think a year. Thought he was gonna fucking get me. (laughs) But past that, skipping all of the rest of elementary school, middle school is when I started actually getting into different anime. This was in the early 2000s, so I was watching Naruto. I was watching Death Note. I was watching the original Full Metal Alchemist's Alchemist series from 2003, which I'm pretty sure was just due to my friend group at the time. I had a lot of friends who were way more hardcore into different anime than I was, and just because I was part of that friend group, I got into all of that stuff. I also was watching Rosen Maiden, Vampire Night, Orin High School Host Club, Chibi Vampire, and what else? God, this was also the time period I was religiously playing Gaia online which is insane to think about that it's still going on and the economy of that website is as in shambles as Neopets at this point (laughs) Um, is Neopets still up? oh yeah Neopets is still up oh god okay every couple of years I routinely make an account and like log on and then I get bored after one day and I'm like (laughs) okay nostalgia over so I was watching a lot of anime in middle school a pretty healthy mix of shonen and um yeah, Shonen and Shoujo at the time. And one of my friends specifically got me into the Sailor Moon musicals, the Sarah Sarah Mew musicals. And the concept of doujinshis, which we were children, probably should have not known about considering <laughs> a, most of them are not for kids. Um... <laughs> So, I don't don't know. For the longest time, I thought it was just... I literally thought all doujinshi was just smut manga made by fans. I did not... I had no concept that there were some that was literally just illustrated fanfiction. After that, in high school, I was in the anime club in my junior and senior years of high school. One intense sensory memory I have from that is we absolutely had a maid cafe to raise money for the anime club. I refused to wear a dress, so I dressed up like Dave Strider from Homestuck instead. (laughs) Because, you know, 
anime. <laughs> no. And I think the other time we had a maid cafe, I wore like a vest and a tie because I just, I, I'm not wearing a fucking skirt. And, and besides being an anime club, I didn't get into too many new animes, if literally, if at all. I think the only ones I really did was Helsing and Black Butler were the only two I really got into during high school. Because otherwise it was showing the younger kids all of the stuff that we had been watching in the early 2000s. It was like showing these kids Orin High School Host Club and like Full Metal Alchemist and Vampire Night. Uh, and I think Fruits Basket was one of the last things we were watching when I graduated. <laughs> and then as an adult, really the only current anime I've seen is Boku no Hero. <laughs> it's, that's like it. FMA Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Years after it finished. <laughs> but I haven't really seen anything new, but I'm excited to like actually get back into watching watching series and stuff. And I have a, I have a list of stuff that I've actually looked up and am excited about. Cool. So, yeah. How'd you get into anime? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, as I mentioned earlier, I spent a good chunk of my life going to school in England and Ireland. And when I got into anime, I was in, I guess, middle school, which was first year of secondary school. Mm-hmm. The way I explain this to Americans, it's like it's like Harry Potter. So we start first year at 11 and then just keep going yep. until 18. <laughs> So in first year, I met this girl who was super quiet, and she just sat in the back drawing. And she was super into this manga and anime called Tokyo Mew Mew. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what's up with this? I think I also did that thing where she'd bring in whatever volume she was reading, but it was one of those that's like flipped, so it looks backwards. So I did that typical newbie thing where I was like, why are you reading it backwards? Oh my god. (laughs) But in 2007 in Ireland, people didn't really know a whole lot about anime. Our local bookstore had mm, three shelves of manga. And it was mm-hmm. almost entirely Naruto and Bleach. <laughs> so people didn't even, if you said like, oh, I watch anime, they'd be like, what, what is that? People just didn't have any concept of this. So growing up, I watched maybe a couple episodes of Pokemon. I wasn't really into it. And maybe a couple episodes of Digimon and Beyblade. Oh, Beyblade. <laughs> and there were just other cartoons I didn't watch on Cartoon Network, basically. Yeah. Till I was 11 in middle school and discovered Tokyo Mew Mew, and then my life was over. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> so I borrowed copies of the manga from my friend because she had all mm-hmm. the volumes, and I was instantly hooked. I was a hard uh, Shirogane Yuru fan. Which, in retrospect, like, I need you to look up a picture of this character, because (laughs) look at a picture of this man who is reportedly heterosexual. So I was a huge fan, and definitely shipped myself with him. 
But as you can see from this photo, and I can see from your face, this man is wearing the least heterosexual outfit I've ever seen in my life. This man is straight? Bitch, where? <laughs> so One of the you... screen caps is literally him touching foreheads with, with another dude. <laughs> it was probably his partner, Keichiro, who is a heterosexual life partner of his, by the way. Can you describe one of the outfits that he's wearing? Oh my god, he's wearing fucking... First off, white pants. What straight man wears white, skin-tight, skinny-jean pants? Secondly, vest. No shirt. No shirt. He's got little armbands like he's a bartender in an old western movie. And he's got a red collar on. He's got a choker on. And the vest has a little popped collar. And he's got fucking dress shoes. What is this outfit? <laughs> I'm mostly losing it over the fact that he's just straight up not wearing a shirt. Like, <laughs> unless that vest has a really nice lining, and it probably doesn't because it looks like it's made out of pleather, his poor nipples must be so irritated, honestly. That's what t-shirts are for. Um, it's called fashion? Look it up, <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> What's also well, his extra fashion funny. is bad. <laughs> it was the 2000s. What do you want? Cod. But what's extra funny is that people would ship him with Keichiro, who is, um, I guess, like his right hand or whatever. And I remember mm -hmm. being very angry because obviously, uh, Shirogani was supposed to be with me. So I don't understand why they were making him gay. <laughs> it was very oh frustrating. God. I had a lot of internalized homophobia. Self-shipping, Lord. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on self-shipping, honestly. I have a 124-part self-insert fanfic on DeviantArt still, uh, which I keep there to humble me, so we could talk all about that, because that was a hot mess. I can talk about me shipping myself with Gara. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's go. Put that on the episode list. <laughs> <laughs> My god what's this fucking why he's got little fucking cat boy elf ears is this a different character um so briefly the plot of tokyo mew mew is that it's basically sailor moon but all the girls have their dna spliced they're... with animal dna it makes yeah. no actual scientific sense no they're like animal themed magical girls i remember that much yeah so sometimes if they get really excited um ichigo the main character like her cat ears will pop out Mm -hmm. But I think what happened was, if I remember, because I haven't rewatched this in like a million years, Shirogane did an experiment on himself with cat DNA. So, but instead of a cute cat anime girl, which honestly, I think we were robbed, he'll just straight up turn into a cat. Oh <laughs> my god, the origin of cat boy disease. We've found it. This is We've... entirely heterosexual. We found patient zero of cat boy disease. <laughs> That's another thing we could talk about. Fucking cat boys. They are getting a resurgence on Tumblr right now. Oh god. And I'm not sure why. Just specifically cat boys in any fandom. I could not explain it to you. I've been on that hell site for almost 13 years at this point. Could not explain anything that happens on it. But you'll you can drag me away from it <laughs> when I'm dead. My first experience with cat boys was uh my friend got a copy of Loveless. Mm -hmm. which has a lot of heavy themes in it, actually. But I remember, like, reading it, 
and getting to the part where like the first gay kiss happens and i was like oh god i can't read this this is sinful uh irish schools are catholic oh so oh, uh, <laughs> believe me i know <laughs> so i was like good catholic child fear jesus jesus and for some reason, the characters in Loveless have cat ears. Oh my god, I I just heard you talking about Gay Kiss, and I was like, oh, generic gay bait anime and manga in the early 2000s. And then you said Loveless, and you have just unlocked the fucking repressed memory of that cat boy shit. Holy fuck. I had forgotten about Loveless completely. Oh, it's so problematic. Oh my god. <laughs> I had at least two volumes of that. Oh, I got... Oh, they're not on my shelf right now, but I like... <laughs> I like how you looked! You checked! That was very good. <laughs> but I, I didn't read it for a while, and then I rediscovered it, and then at cons, I'll buy a volume of two or two or whatever's out at the time. Because mm-hmm. the artwork is gorgeous. The subject matter is problematic. Oh, and incredibly problematic. Uh, but that's like a whole other episode in itself of just Yaoina's popularity and how he relationship dynamics and consent problems are a problem yeah very much so very much so so anyway when i got into anime i was 11 or 12 no one had ever heard of it and i didn't really know what pirating was so the only way i could watch stuff is if funimation out of the goodness of their hearts uploaded all of oran subbed on their youtube channel I think oh that was the first God. time I watched an anime that wasn't in three parts. Doing, doing the early internet lord's Oof. work, to be honest. Truly. For early 2000s anime fans. Yeah, I want to do a whole episode on fan subs. The children today do not understand the difficulty of trying to find a full... When when YouTube did that thing where they said that because there were so many people uploading just whole episodes of TV shows, they were like, okay, you can only upload a video that's 15 minutes or less. So everyone was like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll just split everything into three parts and upload it anyway. But then, what happens when you're watching Death Note episode 6 and part 2 isn't anywhere? What then? I remember actually having to download episodes of Naruto to watch them as they came out because the dub was nowhere near caught up to the ongoing sub at the time. I and now we oh have simul dubs? Like damn. Yeah. So after I watched Tokyo Mew Mew, I got super into Death Note for a solid two weeks, which felt like a lifetime at the time, because when you're like Absolutely. twelve <laughs> so into it, I was Oh, annoying about it. That was my first fucking cosplay, was Matt from Death Note in middle school. So I, I, I understand <laughs> completely. I watched that fan subbed. I watched... I got into Bleach at some point. Um, the way I... I watched it in, like, random hodgepodge ways, because mm-hmm. nobody cares about anime in Ireland, so, like, why would you license something to a country that has never heard of this stuff? So the way I watched Bleach was I finally discovered that people would just upload anime online for free. Nice. And because nice. it was Ireland, nobody gives a shit. No one gives so a shit. I wasn't gonna get slapped with a stop downloading illegal things on your parents' internet letter. You wouldn't download a car. <laughs> Yes, I absolutely would. Late stage capitalism is a nightmare. <laughs> Favorite memory of watching Bleach was this was back in the olden days when to use the computer I had to go in a separate room in the house. Oh my god, the f- <laughs> computer room. The fabled computer room. So I was the one who used the computer like excessively more than anyone else in the house, but my Me parents too. 
imposed this rule that I wasn't supposed to use the internet after a certain time. So then I was like, shit, how am I supposed to stay up all night watching anime? Uh-huh. I found this website that was just all Bleach episodes. And I figured out, I think the Christmas before I got an iPod Nano, third generation, it's like oh my God. five inches. The screen is just two inches. I thought it was way bigger than it actually is. It's tiny. It's minuscule. But I discovered that this Bleach website had MP4 files, and my iPod <laughs> couldn't <laughs> carry MP4 files. Not many, but enough. So I downloaded like download ten at a t- I downloaded ten at a time, and every night I would delete the ones I'd watched, and put on the new ones. And on this tiny two-inch screen, I would watch ten more episodes of Bleach subbed. I specifically remember episode 67 because it's my favorite, but also because the fans I was watching decided to do the subtitles in tiny serif red font that I could mm-hmm. barely read. So I have struggled for my anime. Oh my god. Yeah, that's all of that stuff really isn't a part of current anime culture for mm-hmm. anyone, what, under the age of 19? They have no idea what early anime fans had to go through. Mm-hmm. Just to get our fix. <laughs> Didn't Crunchyroll start as like a like an illegal website? Yes, they definitely started. <laughs> the Wikipedia pages, if you look up Crunchyroll history, it starts off with <laughs> origins and illegal distribution. <laughs> it started off in 2006, for-profit fan subs, and then it was bought by... Or it got money from a vent from some place, and then it was eventually bought and was allowed to legally legally distribute anime in America. Mm-hmm. It has its dark, gritty roots, <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone uses it. You know, except if you don't. Yeah, but I do appreciate that they still have their free tier, even though the ads are like extremely annoying. The ads are extremely annoying, but I, for real though, I do have to give them respect for not completely forgetting their roots. Mm-hmm. They haven't lived long enough to to die the hero or become the villain yet mm-hmm. that remains yes. to be seen if they ever get rid of the free tier mm. i think fun funimation there's something up with like funimation and crunchy because they were like together at one point and then they split up and like i think funimation mm-hmm. is doing something now and 2020 sony officially acquired Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. so now sony owns Crunchyroll. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. And Sony is the the parent company of Funimation because we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is one of it was one of the first and beginnings of that era, and it it's still holding on to his past a little bit. But now, mm-hmm. anime is just so much more accessible. You got it on Hulu. You got it on Netflix. I knew we'd made it <laughs> when there was anime on netflix yeah that's where the normies are and if you're and if you're our our age you remember when there was no streaming there was no online service for netflix it was you order dvds they come in the mail i think i still have one or two dvds that we never sent back somewhere in my stuff it was such a flawed system (laughs) like literally adapting and moving to streaming as their main source of income was the smartest thing Netflix ever did as a company. Mm-hmm. All these other places are struggling, like Blockbuster, Redbox. Dead. They're all... Well, I, there's like the one Blockbuster that's still hanging on. But all of these other video rental services and, and all of that, because they didn't 
adapt and change with the times, they all died out. So now Netflix is sitting high and mighty and pretty with its anime and original shows. So it's come a long way too. God, it's so crazy to think about. Yeah. But what have you been into recently? Sort of, we were getting into your high school and and beyond. Oh, the high school years. I was so excited to move to school in the U.S. I had many I'm dreams so that were crushed. <laughs> I'm so I like, sorry. That's your immediate reaction because <laughs> born and raised here. I I am so sorry. Like, there's no excuse. <laughs> The two things I was excited about, because I just read Will Grayson, Will Grayson, mm-hmm. and apparently in America, they have gay straight alliances, and I was so deeply in the closet, I could taste mothballs, but I really <laughs> wanted to be in the GSA, because I was a very mm-hmm. dedicated ally, so uh-huh. there, <laughs> there was that. I also wanted to join Anime Club, and that's where I found my people, but also... By the time that happened, Sherlock was happening at the same time. So oh, for some God. reason, so my memories of Anime Club are watching anime on Hulu when it was still free, and finishing a meeting with an episode of Italia. <laughs> and for a couple of weeks, I demanded everyone watch Sherlock. So I just took over the entire meeting to make people watch Sherlock. The only reason I got away with it is because there are also other people in the club who used Tumblr too much and were totally okay with it, but the other people who were there for anime were kind of annoyed, and I am so sorry. I would like to- I would like to retroactively apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was- that was a dark time. (laughs) But yeah, going from Ireland to the US, at least in terms of anime, I got here right before borders shut down. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't just a shelf of manga. There was a whole manga section. Whole and section. I could go to the library and get manga. And I could yeah. take out anime DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't just that weird black kid who's into weird Chinese cartoons. I was still weird and into weird Chinese cartoons, but people actually knew what it was called anime. Yeah, but now people actually know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. And then when my super hulak phase happened to me, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't I'm right, really... I'm right there with you. <laughs> I say, oh no, it's because I'm getting hit by the fucking <laughs> oppressive cringe of the past. As a bonus episode, we could talk about the literal specific fandom culture of Tumblr regarding anime and just Mm -hmm. sort of the sort of waves that everyone if you started Tumblr when we did and when it was still pretty small like 2009 to 2010 a little earlier even just the rise and fall of so many different fandoms and how pretty much anyone who got into like the big waves of stuff on Tumblr were into anime at some point started off with anime moved on to super (laughs) lock for whatever god fucking reason and then from there moved on Back to anime. Or Homestuck. There was really no (laughs) in-between. I don't think. Everyone left Super Hulak and went back to anime or got super into Homestuck. (laughs) Fuck these non-animated men. (laughs) Fuck it. We want... We want fake people back. 
They won't betray us. Part of my anime renaissance was the summer when Attack on Titan Free and Danganronpa came out. Oh my god. And I don't know, I still don't know why Tumblr chose those three to all collectively get into. Because I know now that 20, 30 shows live and die in those seasons. So there was other shit happening. And I don't know why we picked the bloody military anime, the pretty boy swimming, and high school murder (laughs) as the anime of the summer. My theory is pretty gay anime boys, Mm -hmm. incredibly shippable, and at least in Free's case, incredibly gay shipping because the main cast was all dudes. Mm. Like, that explains Free. I don't know why Attack on Titan got so popular. My theory is it's most people started watching it because, to be fair, as much as I don't like the actual anime, the season one opening song fucking slaps. It does. Like, it's so good. That's why I started watching a couple first episodes of it, and then I was like, oh no, this is weird vor anime. I'm not into it. Goodbye. (laughs) I don't like this. But as far as Danganronpa... I have no explanation for that. Except it was edgy? Yeah. Also, I think... I don't know if it was actually translated yet when the anime came out. Because I remember some people talking about how the only way they could get the game was someone had uploaded it to a forum or something? So they'd taken screenshots of the entire game and then just written it up so people could, I guess, play it or see it that way, which is wild. Yeah, that... That's my vague memory of it. When it was super popular, it was still just the game. It wasn't the, the whole anime or anything. Mm-hmm. An anime coming out will increase popularity, but I wonder if there's anything... The first game finally got translated or something, and then the anime came out at the same time, and it exploded? I don't know. I think so, because there was also around that... The thing that was sort of competing with Danganronpa as the edgy, violent anime quasi-dating sim visual novel. The, um... The fuck was it called? It had a dog boy! Oh no! Dramatical murder? Yeah! Thank you for getting it on me just saying there was a dog boy because that's not a common enough trope. It's all cat (laughs) boys. I I narrowed it down. I have this... I don't know what to call it, but someone will describe an anime very vaguely and I'll eventually get it. It's like a a curse I have at this point. You call it a curse, I call it a superpower. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that's really fucking impressive. That's me with theme park history (laughs) and animatronics, weirdly enough. We all have something. Hyperfocus! (laughs) Special interest! That also ties into, I got into anime when everyone else on Tumblr did, and then I discovered that stuff airs on a schedule. (laughs) like western tv shows Uh uh-huh i discovered that there are whole websites that will just collect what's airing in each season so i just started following those so that's how i ended up watching nine shows at a time in college oh my god which granted me the wisdom to eventually be vice president of anime club and then president of anime club baller (laughs) which mm. college anime club specifically Mm. Like, how does yeah. that go? At least when you're all children and you look back on it, it's humbling. But how do you, how the adults in an anime club at college? 
So when you're fresh out of high school, sounds like a nightmare. Well, um, when I <laughs> when I took over as president, I really wanted people to watch stuff that was airing because I think mm-hmm. it's important not just to watch the anime everyone already knows or has talked about, like Cowboy Bebop or Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that. Death Note. Yeah to keep up with what's actually happening in the industry so I would try to show these people stuff that was not only loved by fans but also like did well critically but I feel like people just wanted to watch their big titty anime and I did not have a great time but also I think that I wasn't great at articulating what I liked exactly about the shows I wanted to watch, so I think I kind of lost mm. people there too. No, that's fair. There is definitely a, like, as a gay, there is definitely a time and place for big titty anime. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely agree with you. It, it is important to sort of see what's going on with other stuff that doesn't necessarily get popular in America, but is like good, solid, critically acclaimed stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's a shame that a lot of that gets just swept under the rug or lost in translation when it gets mm-hmm. put over here, if it if it even gets dubbed, which, which sucks. One of the previous presidents tried to, like, give these people some class. How'd that go? Have you heard of Serial Experiments Lane? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so it's one of those you only know about it if you're, like, way too into anime. Okay. So our president was like, here's a show that's highly rated and it's kind of niche so we can watch something completely new mm-hmm. she tried her best we all hated it and I think the problem is that Lane is very weird in a way mm-hmm. that's weird even for anime in that it's very it feels like watching an art school film almost it's kind okay. of experimental, but it's also the kind of thing that you don't get unless you're, like, really into film or whatever. And that's not the kind of show you can really watch with a huge audience. We're here to watch Space Dandy or something bright and interesting and fun that you don't have to think too hard about. Okay. Yeah, no, that that tracks. That absolutely tracks. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's also one of the follies of anime clubs. It's fun to find other people who also get it, but... Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be careful with what you choose because a show that's really good and that you love might not always translate well, which I learned. Yeah, and also it's all children, so like, what the (laughs) fuck do we know when we're (laughs) twelve? Even fresh out of high school, the first couple years of college, our brains are finishing developing. What the fuck do we know about anything? That's what? No, thank you. One of my favorite things about watching stuff as it airs is discovering something that is either going to be really popular or mm. no one realizes is really good until like way after it finished airing. Yeah, what's some examples of that? Because I have not had my pulse, like my finger on the pulse of current anime in a, in a couple of years at this point. So if I might think it's good, but the entire anime fandom might think it's terrible. Well, I don't care about their opinion. I care about yours. <laughs> Because you're my co-host, and this is the whole <laughs> podcast that we're doing stuff on, so. <laughs> um, the one that comes to mind is Erased, which I didn't realize people had finally heard of until it ended up on Netflix. And that was how I knew, like, 
oh this is good good if netflix has picked it up mm, well netflix has some bad stuff on there mm-hmm. um another one is parasite i love parasite so good i love parasite uh i actually that is one of my favorite sort of sci-fi horror manga i got most of my original copies of the manga from a local comic book shop when i was living in um in the neighborhood i grew up in in um while i was in like middle school Mm -hmm. i would walk there after school i would go and i would see what like they were a i don't remember the name off the top of my head because it's been years since i lived there but they had they were independent comic book shop they had their own little section of manga and it was all it wasn't anything like there was no tokyo pop anything there it was all independent publishers bringing over a lot more obscure esoteric stuff like that's where i found junji ito probably shouldn't have read junji ito uh, <laughs> yeah how like old 12, were you at, at like 12 years old oh god uh, but i was already into horror at that point more or less so it wasn't too traumatizing. <laughs> like, I read Uzumaki and I read uh, Tomie. Uh, those were my first two Junji Ito novels, uh, manga series. I read it probably a little too young, but I watched a, lo- uh, watched a lot of horror stuff a little too young. And it's, I mean, that's pretty much why I am who I am. <laughs> um, but Parasite was one of the, the manga that I actually picked up and bought while I was there and I I haven't watched the the new anime where it's updated to be more modern. I'm still I still have the um manga where it's set in the 90s early 2000s or even 80s. I don't actually It's set in the it's... 90s cuz it came out in the 90s. So what's interesting yeah. about um the anime is that and I've read the whole manga now. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And they're really faithful to it in the anime. Like, they don't change much other than to kind of modernize it. Yeah. So uh, Shinji's style and his classmate style kind of changes slightly. He has a smartphone. Yeah. But other than that, it's very faithful to the story. And I thought it was interesting because, like, I didn't even know that the original came out in the 90s because it doesn't Mm -hmm. look that way. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the references in the the manga and stuff do read very very dated now Mm -hmm. but um i've watched like the first episode of the new anime but i've seen a lot of screenshots and stuff and i and i definitely agree they did a pretty good job with keeping the story like 99.9 percent accurate while modernizing the setting by like here's a smartphone it's (laughs) 2017 not 1994 um but you do a whole episode on parasite honestly Mm -hmm. it is such a good sci-fi horror manga (laughs) what else is on your list for for stuff that is more recent that you have a a good high opinion of or even just like just because doesn't even have to be good honestly oh there's plenty on here i'm like wouldn't recommend this but i loved it give me give me a taste give me a give me an amuse boost of of anime sampling uh so i remember one summer um, I started watching Monster, which is like, I don't know if it's still well known now, but it's like one of those things where like critically acclaimed, ha- like when it was coming out, um, mm-hmm. like sold tons of copies when it was still being published. But I got like halfway through and I started watching this un- other anime called Love Stage, mm-hmm. which sounds as prestigious as it is. 
Um, and for some reason, um, it took me like weeks to get through like 20 episodes of Monster. Monster is like 57 episodes. Mm-hmm. Love Stage is 12 plus an OVA. Finished it in a night. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's like, it's, 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 uh, it's BL, it's Boys Love, it's Yaoi. Um, mm-hmm. So that was part of the reason. But it's also oh just kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah. And, like it's yeah. it's problematic in that way that Yaoi is but yeah. it's also just like it's just a good fun time it's just kind of silly um, the main character is kind of a mess he um, incredibly relatable <laughs> the main character Izumi is the child of two really famous actors and mm-hmm. um, the story kind of picks up when he's 18 and in college and he really really wants to draw manga but he's really really bad at it incredible <laughs> i'm sold honestly already um but when he was really small and his parents were filming this like wedding advert his parents were playing like the couple getting married and they're supposed to have two kids playing like um i think they were the ring bearers but it was kind of implied that like oh they're so cute together like maybe they'll get married and then like years later when izumi's 18 they want to film the follow-up um but what happened was is that they had like a little girl and a little boy but the girl was late or something like she couldn't make it to the shoot and then they're like well our kid Izumi kind of looks like a girl so they trust him up oh, <laughs> as a girl no that um, trope yeah gotcha so, <laughs> but then her uh, Izumi's um co-star Roma um falls in love with Izumi but doesn't know that Izumi's a boy um so oh boy <laughs> so for the next like 10 years he becomes a child actor specifically just to find Izumi again. And then years later, um, Izumi's parents are like, we need to start getting you into show business. Like, it's in the family. Let's just get you out there. And mm-hmm. the company that did the original ad wants to do a follow-up with, like, the two little kids. Now they're getting married. And so their plan is, is to dress up Izumi as a girl again. Um, and nobody will find out. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's the show. That that concept is hilarious to oh, me as someone so good. as someone who works in the film industry. I'm a professional makeup artist and prop fabricator. The fact that they're like, "Oh, we're gonna shoot a follow up to this commercial a decade later" is fucking hilarious. When the same Eminem commercial from the '80s plays every goddamn Christmas in America, <laughs> it is now 2021. That shit does not get updated. Trust me. That's fucking hilarious. That's it's like, absolutely incredible. I love shows like that. They're just like, we're just gonna do something ridiculous. You're in, right? And you're like, hell yeah. This makes no sense, but I'm totally down. I think the last time they tried to update a commercial was the Hershey's Kisses Christmas commercial with the bells, where they're bells, and people fucking rioted that they were changing this classic commercial that's been around for like 20 30 years at this point so the fact that that's a a, like the legitimate premise of the anime is kind of amazing uh it's very good it's called love stage um you can't find it anywhere though so um, oh wonderful yeah it used to be on hulu and then they took it off and i was very sad because it's one of those that i watched as like you know how people like put on the office in the background like that's when the yeah. anime like, put on the background comfort shows no brain power yep. put them on in the background when you're doing other stuff probably the only current anime i've 
started recently, um, besides My Hero Academia, which I haven't watched since like the uh, halfway through season two at this point. But have you seen B Stars? B Stars. I love it. I love B Stars. I've seen all of season one. I eagerly await season two to be. Oh, season two is airing. I'm watching it. I will, I'll wait for it to be all at once. I've been so spoiled by fucking all episodes of something dropping at once. <laughs> um, the only reason I watch, I'm watching it airing is because I'm also watching uh, 13 other shows simultaneously. So the only way I'm going to be able to watch all of those is if I watch them as they're airing. Valid, honestly. Um, but I, as far as modern anime goes, I really, really like Beastars. And it's a good example of the I feel like it's a good example of the CGI cell shaded animation not being entirely off putting or too mm-hmm. uncanny valley because it's not they're not humans they're human adjacent already so it's easier to animate a non-human creature than try to make something look human and also be realistic so I think the style that they went for works and and lends itself to the to the anime it's fun it's fun there's been this trend of that kind of like cg animation and it's either good like in b stars or it's like uh, like in that, almost that everything new, that's tried it that new berserker updated berserk movie up that was yeah on everyone hated a while it ago so bad I don't even go here and I fell asleep halfway fucking through <laughs> watching it with my partner. I was like, I literally do not care about any of this and it's ugly to look at. I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah, the only other ones, the only other one I've watched that animation is Ajin, um, which is also on Netflix. And it also suffers from that problem where it's trying to make it look good, but it's all just kind of janky. Mm-hmm. Not janky. It's like when everything's static it looks fine it's when stuff starts moving that it feels uncomfortable and i think you're entirely right when you say that b stars does it well because they're not trying to make anyone look human and they don't have to look human yeah and that's when it works um an anime that has done it extremely badly um and is currently airing and i don't know why i'm still watching it and it's called x arm and I think it's coming out of... It's a, a collaboration between... They're called Visual Flight. And Crunchyroll has been um, supporting all of these uh, new anime. So they did a collaboration for Tower of God, which came out a couple seasons ago. I've heard about I've heard about Tower of God. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, okay. X-Arm is not. And I looked it up Wonderful. because it was so bad that I went to Google and I was like why does it look so bad? And I was not the first person who would ask this question. And it turns out that the main staff, so the director, the whoever's in charge of animation, Mm -hmm. have never worked on anime before. Like, the director has only done, like, action special effect live action movies. Oh, no, your first fucking mistake... Yeah, so they were given this project to adapt this manga called X-Arm. Um, and the cover art looks sick. The actual animation looks sick in the wrong way. 
Sick, um, like, please, sir, my dog is ill. There's something <laughs> wrong with my dog, but it's actually a horse. So you can look up um, X-Arm opening, because that's the first time anyone saw, like, what the hell this was going to be. So from what I can gather from my brief research, oh, people, no. mm-hmm, people were... I'm mute- I, I have it muted, but I'm watching it right now. <laughs> people were excited for this because it looks interesting, and that's why I had it on my list to watch when it started airing. Um, and then the trailer came out, everyone was like, what What the fuck is this? Uh, I'm watching it right now. Yep. This looks... This... Okay, this honest to God looks worse than the single, like, we need to do this big mech fight in early 2000s anime, so we're going to use CGI for it. This looks worse than stuff that came out almost a decade and a half ago. Mm-hmm. This is awful. You know why? It's because the director wanted to have people do the actual motion, so they did motion capture. Motion capture is supposed to make it look good, though! <laughs> but here's your problem. So, ah! I was reading this interview with someone who has, like, been in the trenches of animation for a good long while, and um, this dire- this animation director was like, yeah, the reason why if we ever do motion capture stuff like this, when you take that footage, you have to adapt it to anime or else it will look weird. Like, it has to be kind of... Like, I- you can go for a realistic look, but it also has to be adapted for that medium. But they didn't yeah. do that with X-Arm, which is why it looks like trash. Which is why oh when God. the characters move, it feels so uncomfortable. Because they just took the motion capture straight and just animated over it. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> it's bad. Um, um, I went. I watched the first episode and um, the anime uh, list I use... The reviews went from, like, two stars to 1.3 stars to it's at 0.9 stars right now. And it's only on episode two. So. That's absolutely horrendous. So bad to look at. Thank you for cursing me in my house. I will never know peace again. Um, you're welcome. I really wanted to talk about it because it's bad. Um, it's and just, so bad. Like, it's one of those shows where I don't know why I do this to myself, but I'll watch an episode and be like, this isn't great, but maybe it gets better. And it doesn't. Um, oh, boy. And I think X-Arm is one of those because the story itself is kind of mediocre. And for a show mm-hmm. like that, it has to have something. Like, it gotta ha- it, it has to have, like, good music or good animation or good character design or something. Nothing. Nothing. No. Oh my god. Like, it's also weird because I don't know if it's because like maybe the show was finished during cuz I assume they were in production during 2020. And I don't know if it has if that's why episode 1 to 2 like the quality got worse somehow and why it looks like that? Yeah. Even worse than what it should be. But like not only does it look bad, it just narratively it doesn't make sense like there is a scene mm. um and i guess this counts as spoilers but no one's watching the show yeah that's fair spoil me it's all good <laughs> i'm not gonna ever watch it um but there is a character who is an android and she shoots a human character but the first shot is of 
the android character with a gun and it's just like a mm-hmm. like a half body shot of her and then the character she's pointing her gun at speaks but off camera but it's a very important line so it feels very strange mm-hmm. and for a second i didn't know who was speaking and then when you cut back to the character like she shoots mm-hmm. and then you cut back to the character she just murdered and they're just dead on the floor and the continuity there is just very strange that is, those are some yeah but then imagine that but like for a whole episode where it seems like the person directing like left the room and like someone came in and was like oh shit we didn't finish this episode someone else edited it and that's what happened like i I, like either they like they didn't animate parts and like try to work around it or something i don't know what happened but it's not good Ooh, that sounds like a fucking nightmare i guess the only other show i know that ran out of money near the end is Evangelion and that's why their last two episodes are so weird but it also kind of works for that show kind of it's it's very jarring to watch yeah. but it's also not like I wish I could take those 24 minutes of my life back yeah it's it's definitely interesting and like cerebral and it is such a popular long lasting anime for for various reasons but it's definitely not a beginner anime <laughs> oh it is not <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, what are, what future episodes are you excited to talk about? Um, I would like to talk about stuff that people slept on from the 2000s, or really probably in the past, like, 10 or so years, maybe even five years, honestly. Um, I really want to talk about how women are portrayed in anime, because that is a whole can of worms. Mm -hmm. Um, Very much so. And also good and bad portrayals of queer people in anime because I feel like people see Yaoi and they don't understand how there could be bad portrayals of queer people in not just that genre but in other genres. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a series because we gotta go to like the cultural like Japan's cultural feelings on mm-hmm. the gays, I think, to really get into that. It's similar to us in the west but also different in very important ways yeah um especially in how like uh like there are definitely more queer characters being introduced into anime that's not just specifically yaoi but they Mm -hmm. don't often handle it well which is interesting but yeah what are some episodes you're looking forward to talking about oh i'm excited i mean as anyone could probably guess by what i've fucking got off track and rambled about in our intro episode horror and guru specifically is sort of my wheelhouse um i'm excited to talk about junji ito and his um sort of impact on horror manga i'm excited to talk about specifically uh like lost both historical anime um and lost anime um Mm. things like golden bat um, was one of the first superheroes of Japan. He had live-action movies, he had anime, and almost none of the original contexts or stories surrounding his character like exist anymore at all. Mm. And yet he's still sort of a weird, low-key cultural phenomenon. It's kind of insane. Um, there's also historical um anime things like oh my god it's really it got really popular on tiktok right now it's like a 
horror, it's a girl anime that everyone is fucking reacting to right now. Sho- Shoujo Tsubaki, the Camellia girl. It's mm. People are just rediscovering this body horror uh, Aero Guro anime. Um, it's from the 80s. It was... The, the content is, you know, very much not uh, socially correct, and it is a erotic body horror girl anime, so it, um, it didn't get, like, a, wi- a wide uh, distribution or anything, and I think the creator literally did it 90% by himself because, like, no one would give him money for obvious reasons at the time. <laughs> um... But it's weirdly enough, like it's a cult classic for people who are into uh, Guru anime right now. But for some reason, it's gotten this like resurgence of popularity, specifically on TikTok, because people are daring each other to watch it. It's, it's, it's literally not that bad. Uh, it's startling if you don't know what to expect, but it's it could be. N- Eight hundred percent worse, like to be honest. Mm-hmm. But historical anime like that, like it is an important entry in, in sort of the grow side of things. I'm excited to talk about live adaptations, including stage musicals, um, because you have something like stuff that's very long running, like the Sarah Mew musicals, and then you have newer things, like in at an adaptation literally of a series of Vocaloid songs from one producer, which is bonkers to me. a stage play? It's a stage play based off of the story that happens in this one producer's, like, album of songs. That's amazing. Uh, It's uh, Moffy. He is a really uh, well-known Vocaloid producer, and his his series the uh daughter the daughter of evil series um got turned into a legitimate stage musical but it's just vocaloid <laughs> it's it's is very cool um and also you have like black butler you have the definite one which i am incredibly sad about if we w- if we never get an english version because the english concept album is so good um, but otherwise, U.S. convention culture and um, just U.S. anime culture in, in general is something mm-hmm. I'm also just sort of to dig into. Because I, I don't think that's something a lot of uh, people who do deep dives on series um, really do. Because it's, it's more about the content and less about the culture that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. And and it's definitely sort of a mixed, very strange bag in America, I think. Yeah. I'm also, like, it's interesting to me coming into it, too, because I have the side of living in Europe and seeing it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And being, like, a relative, like, it being a unknown to coming to America and there's already established conventions and a whole culture. Um, and it's only yeah. gotten bigger since I've gotten here. Yeah, like, for comparison, when we were talking about getting into anime, you started in middle school, I started in preschool, mm-hmm. which is crazy to you. Like, the disparity of that is um, is kind of 
is kind of crazy when you think about it. We don't have an outro either. <laughs> I just, re- I, was I just about realized. That too. I was like, I was like, oh, like oh, this is cool outros. There's um, so many. Well, we'll have to think of one because we don't have an intro or an outro. Hey, it's only episode zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, hope you stick around and listen to us ramble semi-coherently about basically all things anime at this point. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm excited. I hope uh, you're excited and all of our fingers crossed listeners (laughs) are excited too. (laughs) Thank you and good night. That can be the outro for now. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, Do you want to say it again without a question mark on the end? No, I think the question mark's good. Okay. Just leave it hanging. That's fine. It is an auditory to be continued. (laughs) 